Chapter thirty two of the Italian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kathy Barrett. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter thirty two. Those hours which lately smiled, where are they now? Pallid to thought and ghastly. Young. The Marchesa di Vivaldi, of whose death Beatrice had given an imperfect account, struck with remorse of the crime she had meditated against Elena, and with terror of the punishment due to it, had sent, when on her deathbed, for a confessor to whom she unburdened her conscience, and from whom she hoped to receive in return, an alleviation of her despair. This confessor was a man of good sense and humanity, and when he fully understood the story of Vivaldi and Elena di Rosalba, he declared that her only hope of forgiveness, both for the crime she had meditated and the undeserved suffering she had occasioned, rested upon her willingness to make those now happy whom she had formerly rendered miserable. Her conscience had already given her the same lesson, and now that she was sinking to that grave which levels all distinctions, and had her just fear of retribution no longer opposed by her pride, she became as anxious to promote the marriage of Vivaldi with Elena as she had ever been to prevent it. She sent, therefore, for the Marchese, and having made an avowal of the arts she had practised against the peace and reputation of Elena, without, however, confessing the full extent of her intended crimes, she made it her last request that he would consent to the happiness of his son. The Marchese, however, shocked as he was at this discovery of the duplicity and cruelty of his wife, had neither her terror of the future or remorse for the past to overcome his objection to the rank of Elena and he resisted all her importunity till the anguish of her last hours overcame every consideration but that of affording her relief he then gave a solemn promise in the presence of the confessor that he would no longer oppose the marriage of vivaldi and elena should the former persist in his attachment to her this promise was sufficient for the marchesa and she died with some degree of resignation it did not, however, appear probable that the Marchese would soon be called upon to fulfil the engagements into which she had so unwillingly entered, every inquiry after Vivaldi having been hitherto ineffectual. During the progress of this fruitless search for his son, and while the Marchese was almost lamenting him as dead, the inhabitants of the Vivaldi palace were one night aroused from sleep by a violent knocking at the great gate of the court. The noise was so loud and incessant that before the porter could obey the summons, the Marchese, whose apartment looked upon the court, was alarmed and sent an attendant from his anteroom to inquire the occasion of it. Presently a voice was heard from the first antechamber, exclaiming, "'I must see my lord Marchese directly. He will not be angry to be waked when he knows all about it.' and before the Marchese could order that no person on whatever pretense should be admitted, Paolo, haggard, ragged, and covered with dirt, was in the chamber. His wan and affrighted countenance, his disordered dress, and his very attitude, as on entering he half turned to look back upon the anterooms, like one who just escaped from bondage, listens to the fancied sounds of pursuit, were altogether so striking and terrific that the Marchese, anticipating some dreadful news of Vivaldi, had scarcely power to inquire for him. Paolo, however, rendered questions unnecessary, for without any circumlocution or preface he immediately informed the Marchese that the Signor, his dear master, was in the prisons of the Inquisition at Rome, if indeed they had not put an end to him before that time. "'Yes, my lord,' said Paolo, "'I am just got out myself, for they would not let me be with the Signor, so it was of no use to stay there any longer.' 
yet it was a hard matter with me to go away and leave my dear master within those dismal walls and nothing should have persuaded me to do so but that i hoped when your lordship knew where the signor was you might be able to get him out but there is not a minute to be lost my lord for when once a gentleman has got within the claws of those inquisitors there is no knowing how soon they may take it in their heads to tear him in pieces shall i order horses for rome my lord i am ready to set off again directly the suddenness of such intelligence concerning an only son might have agitated stronger nerves than those of the marchese and so much was he shocked by it that he could not immediately determine how to proceed or give any answer to paolo's repeated questions when however he became sufficiently recollected to make further inquiry into the situation of vivaldi he perceived the necessity of an immediate journey but first it would be prudent to consult with some friends whose connections at rome might be a means of greatly facilitating the important purpose which led him thither and this could not be done till the following morning yet he gave orders that preparation should be made for his fetting out at a moment's notice and having listened to as full an account as paolo could give of the past and present circumstances of vivaldi he dismissed him to repose for the remainder of the night paolo however though much in want of rest was in too great an agitation of spirits either to seek or to find it and the fear he had indicated on entering the marchese's apartment proceeded from the hurry of his mind rather than from any positive apprehension of new evil for his liberty he was indebted to the young sentinel who had on a former occasion been removed from the door of his prison but who by means of the guard to whom vivaldi had given money as he returned one night from the tribunal had since been able to communicate with him this man of a nature too humane for his situation was become wretched in it and he determined minded to escape from his office before the expiration of the time for which he had been engaged he thought that to be a guard over prisoners was nearly as miserable as being a prisoner himself i see no difference between them said he except that the prisoner watches on one side of the door and the sentinel on the other with the resolution to release himself he conferred with paolo whose good-nature and feeling heart among so many people of a contrary character had won his confidence and affection and he laid his plan of escape so well that it was on the point of succeeding when paolo's obstinacy in attempting an impossibility had nearly counteracted the whole it went to his heart he said to leave his master in prison while he himself was to march off in safety and he would run the risk of his neck rather than have such a deed upon his head he proposed therefore as vivaldi's guards were of too ferocious a nature to be tampered with to scale a wall of the court into which a grate of vivaldi's dungeon looked but had this lofty wall been practicable the grate was not and the attempt had nearly cost paolo not only his liberty but his life when at length he had made his way through the perilous avenues of the prison and was fairly beyond the walls he could hardly be prevailed upon by his companion to leave them for near an hour he wandered under their shade weeping and exclaiming and calling up on his dear master at the evident hazard of being retaken and probably would have remained there much longer had not the dawn of morning rendered his companion desperate just however as the man was forcing him away paolo fancied he distinguished by the strengthening light the ruse of that particular building in whose dungeon his master was confined and the appearance of vivaldi himself could scarcely have occasioned a more sudden burst of joy succeeded by one of grief it is the roof it is the very roof exclaimed paolo vaulting from the ground and clapping his hands it is the roof the roof oh my master my master the roof the roof 
he continued alternately to exclaim my master the roof my master the roof till his companion began to fear he was frantic while tears streamed down his cheeks and every look and gesture expressed the most extravagant and whimsical union of joy and sorrow at length the absolute terror of discovery compelled his companion to force him from the spot when having lost sight of the building which enclosed vivaldi he set off for naples with a speed that defied all interruption and arrived there in the condition which has been mentioned having taken no sleep and scarcely any sustenance since he left the inquisition yet though in this exhausted state the spirit of his affection remained unbroken and when on the following morning the marchese quitted naples neither his weariness nor the imminent danger to which this journey must expose him could prevent his attending him to rome the rank of the marchese and the influence he was known to possess at the court of naples were circumstances that promised to have weight with the holy office and to procure vivaldi a speedy release but yet more than these were the high connections which the count di maro the friend of the marchese had in the church of rome the applications however which were made to the inquisitors were not so soon replied to as the wishes of the marchese had expected and he had been above a fortnight in that city before he was even permitted to visit his son in this interview affection predominated on both sides over all remembrance of the past the condition of vivaldi his faded appearance to which the wounds he had received at salano and from which he was scarcely recovered had contributed and his situation in a melancholy and terrible prison were circumstances that awakened all the tenderness of the father his errors were forgiven and the marchese felt disposed to consent to all that might restore him to happiness could he but be restored to liberty vivaldi when informed of his mother's death shed bitter tears of sorrow and remorse for having occasioned her so much uneasiness the unreasonableness of her claims was forgotten and her faults were extenuated happily indeed for his peace the extent of her criminal designs he had never understood and when he learned that her dying request had been intended to promote his happiness the cruel consciousness of having interrupted hers occasioned him severe anguish and he was obliged to recollect her former conduct towards elena at san stefano before he could become reconciled to himself End of chapter thirty two